CHP Radio on the Hackers Paradise Podcast Network, your number one source for all things golf. Subscribe on iTunes to never miss an episode. Hello, you golfing legends, and welcome back to another episode of the original Off Course. I'm your host and uh, post-survival of the second grade uh, disaster bug life known as Dan Edwards. And joining me this week is once again the the good buddy here, James Miles. He's a staff writer on THP. You'll find a lot of his content on the THP homepage, as well as some very interesting stuff over there on the forum. Mr. James, welcome back. I got you. I got you like pre-plague and post-plague. Yeah, I survived. Can well, you imagine? And, and during plague, because you were still recovering when we were in Frisco. Yeah, so fun fact, I actually had some a uh, friend over who's a THPer and a regular golfing buddy the night we recorded last week. <laughs> and he was listening to the show on Friday. He's like, Oh wow, that was that night. <laughs> He's like, I can't believe you did that. <laughs> so you gotta do it, man. There's there's some good things to talk about, so you gotta do it. Um, but yeah, we we met up in Frisco. It was at the Omni PGA to take in AI one, the release by Odyssey, which is super exciting. Uh, we'll definitely get into that a little bit, but, uh, how's your week spent? Uh, it's, it's been recovery time here, trying to get caught back up on stuff from being gone. And, uh, the boss lady's been out of town. So I've had the, uh, the circus on my own, you know, the little minions. Yeah. Always an adventure. They get pretty much whatever they want when mom's not here. So, I mean, that's the way to do it, right? I mean, I think I'm doing my job whenever I do that. You gotta spoil them somehow. Yeah. So fun fact, uh, when I came home. My life is fairly normal with one child, and I had the thrill of playing golf with the fam on Sunday, which I was not expecting. Uh, I think that's number 26 for the wife on the year. That's she crazy. definitely was counting, so shout out to her. Uh, I feel like I feel like we got to get her on the show at some point, but who knows? If people actually want to hear about that or hear about why she tolerates me or what kind of golf game she's got or you know whatever, let me know. Uh, but yeah, it was cool. It was, it was fun to get out there. It kind of felt like the end of the season, but Cal and I have our big trip coming up here. So that's super exciting and, uh, <clears throat> just good to get back out there and play some golf. Uh, and it got to use a new putter on Plinko, Ohio greens, which is very exciting. Well, of course. I mean, why, why would you want pristine surfaces? Like we came off of, you had to, you had to get back to reality and the, the whole punch season. Okay. So I don't want to talk about that. Hey, we hey, I, it'll make you happy. We used like uh, little micro tines here, so ours are already healed. How does that make me happy? <laughs> I don't understand this. So, okay, there's been something that's been rattling around in my brain since we last chatted, since I last saw you. Um, first of all, Omni PGA Frisco, whatever the name is of this massive place, is ridiculous. Like. Mm. It, it is the epitome of everything that you could possibly ask for as a golfer, with the exception of your like, brand new golf game you can purchase off the shelf. That'd be pretty cool. Um, did that not like that whole complex just not blow your mind? Well, I mean, when we found out a few years back that the PGA were going to move headquarters there and they had plans for two courses and all this other stuff, I thought it would be nice because it's Texas and they overdo everything, uh, making up for whatever you can say. But this place was absolutely stunning. Like I, the and it, and it was the you and I talked about it there, but like it was the combination of things. It's not just that the resort is. I mean, we both walked in at the same time, and I think we immediately felt like we didn't necessarily belong there with all the marble and everything that's everywhere. Uh, and and my accent sure didn't fit in, even though it's in Texas. But after that, like the golf courses are amazing. the The entertainment would you call that like an entertainment area? I don't even know what to District. call that. Yeah, it, it basically is. I mean, you could go shop at Vineyard Vines, and then you could go to the the Top Golf Suites, and you could, you know, hang out on the twenty five bajillion square foot putting green that's unlike anything I've ever heard or seen of before that they call the dance floor. And then you know the little par three underneath the lights, like it's it, I it's the most complete facility that I think I've seen like that that anybody can 
can get access to that easily. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I kept trying to do is just separate the golf courses from the overall experience. Like we played golf, which was cool. We didn't play the East. We played the West ton of fun. Shout out to uh, Verska and Nevs for putting up with us a little bit out there. But, you know, everything about that location was fascinating, even from a non golf course perspective, because there was so much going on. You had, a fitting center, which I mean, let's be honest, James, we should have hit the range before our <laughs> we're busy yucking it up with You're too uh, busy socializing with everybody. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which happens, you know, so it took a while to get warmed up uh, and the scores definitely reflected that, but you know, they have this incredible instruction center and then a beautiful driving range. And beside that, you're like, okay, let's go a little bit more casual with it. So now they have this place called the ice house, which is, you know, a bar and a place you can go hit out of, uh, I think top golf hitting bay type, set up which is crazy and they're like well you know if, if you don't want to hit balls outside you want to hit balls inside then go across the street mm-hmm. to the top golf lounge which has you know very top golfy experience we are now hitting in bays and and if you if you feel like purchasing some apparel you've got pga store you've got vineyard vines you've got like a whatever that like cookie looking ice cream shop was. And yeah, there was a it toy all. store too. Yeah. And you can go get some toys. And if that wasn't <laughs> enough, then just go ahead and go in the larger location, which has a beautiful sit down restaurant mm-hmm. bar. Uh, and uh, I still, I I'm really mad. I forgot to go buy that belt at the, uh, the, the actual pro shop, which, <laughs> which had some beautiful stuff in it. But it's just like, all of that is in this small location that has absolutely nothing to do with a golf course. And beside that, you have this awesome par three, which I'm not going to talk about right now because I have many opinions about that. Uh, and then central to it all is this putting this putting green, which can you even call it a putting green? Like it's more like a no, it's more like a putting zip code, I think. I mean, yeah, like, like for real, how many thousands of square feet is it? I can't even remember. They told us it's some obscene number yeah. and and it's. I, I've never I've never seen anything like it. And the tarps, whenever we came out the next day before we played because it got so cold, the fact that they tarped the whole thing was even more impressive. Yeah, so what I liked about it was they had like it sectioned off and it looks like in a very common days they have a bunch of what looks to be like mini golf style setup there where you can play 18 holes on the putting green and they have like four different or three, I think three when we were there, three courses mm-hmm. set up. But then that's like maybe two thirds of the putting green, half quarter. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's enough that it doesn't impact everyone else having a great time. It just had such a social vibe to it. I, I couldn't wrap my head around it. And I was trying to think about this and I want to, I want to slide right into a conversation I'd love to have with you is we're seeing all these, we're seeing all these ideas shift into the social side of golf and what is the perfect solution for a complex, a location, a setup for social golf. And, and to me, that's a place I could go take my son and be there all day with, with no issues whatsoever. We're eating, we're playing the par three, we're on the putting green, we're playing the mini golf in the putting green like there's so much to do i feel like you just go and spend hours there there's so much to do without even thinking about stepping on either of the two courses like that's what that's what kind of blew me away with it all and it's not just i mean we've seen i don't know i guess it's and i was thinking about this on the way home to me it's the difference between all of these well-established courses that have been there forever this was never something that was ever thought of of being a thing because that old mentality of golf. And I don't want to say the gatekeeper thing, but you know, a lot of these old clubs, that's what they were established around. Whereas now after, I guess you could call it the post top golf era. Like once it, they, people found out that, that golf could be a social thing outside of, you know, just your guys and the 19th hole and whatever else, like you could bring these things in around it and it could be a little flashier, but it could also have way more substance in ways that we wouldn't necessarily think. I mean, that's exactly what this place was because you're right. And I mean, we saw, we saw a couple families out there with their kids on the par three and like just out there having a blast. And I, I could totally see myself doing it with my kids as well. 
So I, I do wonder if there's a fee associated with getting on the, the dance floor, the putting green. I know there's a fee associated with the par three, but it's actually mm-hmm. quite fair for residents and it's a 50% replayability. So we did that. We played it twice. You and I did. Um, but it seemed like one of our criticisms was, is the golf course worth the 300 plus dollar <laughs> fee that goes on it? And then you have, this is like, okay, but then go play the East for a little bit more. And then you have to walk and take a caddy or whatever. So I'm assuming it's a nicer option, apparently more challenging, but the conversation around this location centralized around price a lot, but we kept referring to the golf courses. When you think about what's available from a play standpoint outside of the golf courses, I think it actually might be quite feasible. Well, the thing I was thinking about, like we've, we've gone some places and you and I, you know, we've gone with groups and we've done stuff. And a lot of these older places, like your goal is to get as many rounds in on the course as you possibly can. Whereas here, like I was thinking about the price and I was thinking about all that. I was like, man, if you came in for three days or whatever else, like even if you only played a couple rounds, like there's so much other stuff you could do. Like, like we, with a group, you could spend, you know, four hours at the little par three. Uh, you could spend you could spend multiple hours just on the putting green doing stuff because so, we we say putting green and if you have not seen pictures of this thing from the Odyssey event coverage or anything else like that, there's not a flat putt on the green. It's it's some of the gnarliest. Yeah, like it, I, an evil genius with all this stuff, but it's perfect for these little. You know, for the little putt putt courses they've set up on it all because it's real golf. But I don't know. I just I, there's so much more to do than just trying to pound out as many rounds as possible. So that that was uh, the thought that I had because I brought it up on THP or someone else had brought up how many how many holes do you try and play a day when you go on a guy's trip? Like I, I think it depends on a couple things. Number one, it's who you're going with, and number two, it's what else is there to do. And and if you put me at Omni PGA Frisco, is that what I'm supposed to call it? It's such a I guess convoluted I, it's anyways. Yeah. So if, if you take me there and say we're playing one round a day, dude, I'm not I'm not thinking twice about it because as soon as you get done with that, you're like, all right, let's go get changed or shower or whatever. And then we go back out and have our dinner, and that's like, oh, let's hit the par three. We did it at a great time because it was like between dusk and night so we get to experience Mm -hmm. it in two different ways and then this is what happened folks so we're walking home and this is like i don't know whatever time at night and we're walking by this massive putting green and again massive putting green the the walk through it is many minutes long it's not like 30 seconds and the whole time we're like james we could go do you want to do you want to do you want to we could we could have a competition (laughs) so like the idea and 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 i think i would love to see this be implemented more i know that the funding and the the potential is different location to location but introducing these types of things creating this potential to do more than just exist uh i think my course actually had a conversation about it a couple years ago where our bar and grill area is so separate of the putting green, the practice facility, but we have this like nice grass area up past the, uh, the patio location. They're like, just put a green up here, put down some things where we can leave our drinks and we will bet and drink all night long on this thing. Oh yeah. And it's like, you know what, from like, it's might not be the best look from a private golf course, but in reality you get a lot of activity when you add that component to it. Well, I mean, I think I think for the modern private golf course, it's perfect. Like, I, I mean, I'm I'm currently a member at a club that is is rapidly evolving, and it's kind of cool to see that because for a long time, uh, it had a specific you know group that came in whenever it was established, and they'd been there forever. The ones that didn't go to Karsten, and the pro was there forever and was a legend and everybody knew him, but they had their way of doing things. And it was very 1980s, 1990s, right? <laughs> yeah. Whereas now, uh, like there's this active push to to do these things, you know, whether it's the family night stuff, our course put in some pickleball courts. 
uh, you know, we've got cornhole stuff. They are, they're constantly doing stuff outdoors and around stuff and around the 18th green. Uh, it's just, I don't know. It, it's the, the adaptation and evolution, I guess, of, of what a course and a facility can be uh, for people. And I know talking about a private clubs, not the same as like us talking about with Frisco and stuff where you go or stay and play. But I think the whole concept of golf has changed. And I really do think top golf has a lot to do with that. This understanding that there can be a social nightlife style experience that surrounds it. Yeah. Um, I asked the question on THP earlier today and, and we're recording on Wednesday, so it'll be interesting to see how it changes. But I asked what the perfect, what the definition of the perfect social golf experience is from like a location based thing. And it was interesting how a lot of folks were just like, I guess, top golf or I'm not really into that or uh most people are very limited in their answer with the exception of one guy who said you know he he listed a bunch of things including like a pool and go-karts which <laughs> is a hell of a social golf experience but you know i i feel like we've been stuck being so narrow-minded at what golf can be especially as stay and play you're afforded a lot more freedom because mm -hmm. there's more money coming in from a lot of different sources and oftentimes families blah blah but i mean I don't think a lot of these changes would be significant, especially when you can incorporate playing golf and eating or drinking. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know, like that's the, for so long. And, and I've talked about this on the show before when you had me on and, you know, we joke on the forum about the whole, the sky fisters, the gatekeeping thing, but golf, let's be honest, golf has a history of that. Like it just does. It was an, an elitist game for a long time. And, and that's slowly changed. And you can say that that really started to change with COVID or whatever else you want to. I mean, you can go down any avenue with it, but the reality is it's evolving. And it seems like on individual levels with places and establishments and the fact that the PGA with their headquarters there is doing something like that tells you that the game is evolving. And maybe it is more welcoming than it has been. And the understanding that it doesn't just have to be 18 holes or 36 holes. And then whatever else you get is what you get and you deal with it. Like you can be a little, a little, I don't know, a little much with it all, I guess is a good way to put it. And do it can still be an enjoyable experience. Do you think there's too much liability in putting a lazy river through a driving range? <laughs> I don't know. I would love, I would love to see just how that would unfold. Uh, along with the uh, the the go karts and that idea, after I know I've seen us on golf trips that last more than two or three days, yeah, <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know how late night go karting would go. So they, uh, I I stayed at Hag Point for a Morgan Cup, and the unlocked golf carts that were there were so fast. <laughs> scary. Like all all you got to do is just get an old fleet with all the rundown nonsense unlock those things maybe think about throwing on like uh i don't know a seat belt <laughs> let it go dude stage. see what happens yeah see i mean yeah uh yeah it, it it definitely changed my perspective on what a golf course could and should have um when it comes to a willingness to incorporate or attract other interests and and i want to segue that into the conversation about the the lighted par three um and it doesn't necessarily have to be a lighted par three but I'm telling you what, we made the decision after golfing, after eating, after being tired to go out and, and experience this par three. And honestly, th this is how I feel about it. I You, you know my perspective on Bermuda greens, right? <clears throat> mm -hmm. I wouldn't say it's an inherently positive perspective, but it's, it's improving, okay? It's hatred, but okay. So James... Knowing what I know about Bent and Bermuda and the fact that Bermuda might be just a tiny bit more resilient, and by tiny bit, I mean a lot, I would be willing to change my regular golf experience to Bermuda if my home course had a lighted par three. Ooh, that's a deep thought. That is how deeply impacted I am because here's why. Golf was super fun during the day. The par three was a totally different mindset. 
what what I love about it, you mentioned it already, is we saw some families who were out there together, and all I could think about while we were playing is, let me get Cal out here, and the only problem I've got to worry about is him actually beating me, which is a concern. <laughs> um, but, you know, we took it in our own version of ways. I think had I have not um, been under the weather, we probably would have taken it a slightly different direction. Mm, just a, um, bit. a little bit more lubricated, if you will. Um, but in the middle of the golf, in the middle of the par three, they have a truck which uh, sells margaritas, and by sells margaritas, I mean sells tequila with a little squeeze of lime in it. From my understanding, uh, it was a bit strong, yes. <laughs> uh, and it looked to me like there was some golfers who had had a couple prior to teeing off in that hole because the 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 whole front side of that thing was shattered, all those <laughs> windows and stuff, but. You know, I I just really loved that piece of it. I love that it could be competitive, but it could also be casual. Um, you did the whole thing with one club and a putter, which, you know, you're a psychopath, but that's fine. <laughs> um, but it teaches you, like, you have the freedom to hit different shots. You have the freedom to take it uh, to another level by gambling or whatever. You You can, you know, drink your way into a good time, whatever it may be. And then we had the experience of you you got to play it while the sun was out and then again in the dark. So you go from seeing this little dark orb in the sky to now the orb changes to light in the sky because the, the light's hitting it. And then you're landing on the green hoping for the best. Dude, I had such a good time doing that. Well, it was, I, I I mean, I don't even know where you start. Like I I start with the little miniature and they're not even full Sunday bags. They're like miniature, miniature Sunday bags that you can, you can put your bag behind the check-in place and grab one of these little tiny things and, and carry your two or three clubs with you. And, and like just little stuff like that. The fact that on every single hole, the marker for the hole is a four-way cup holder as well. You know, it, yeah. it's, uh, it, but the, the Bermuda aspect of it is an interesting one because I, I mean, around where I'm at, I'm so used to it. So going to Texas, I was, I was not surprised to see Bermuda, you know, especially that part of Texas, but it is resilient and it does make a lot of sense for something like that because you, you can, especially as firm as they were, you can, they can take the beating that a par three lighted course like that, that is meant for entertainment and fun and still be playable. Like, you know, even for even for the the more serious golfers that get out there that still want to make everything, you're still going to be able to roll in putts and, and hit shots at it. I mean, we had a we had a good little group our first go around with it. And it's it, it shows. It, but like that reaction is you and I are headed down there. We see one of our guys and he's like, we're like, hey, come, come on, play, come on, play. And like you could just see like people who love golf and, and Brian just like physically stopped and was like, oh, I really want to go play. Yeah, he's like, I guess it's, I got nothing else to do. <laughs> it, was, it was it was perfect though because he lit up like a little kid too, like like yeah. we did. And I think that's the beauty of that. Like I, I don't know, man. It's just you can have as much fun as you want. You can be as serious as you want on it. You could have, and that's what I'm saying. That that brings me back to my my part about like normally if if we went to you know True Blue or Cali or one of those, we would try to play as many rounds as we possibly can. We'd be playing 36 you know, plus every single day. Whereas like with that, I could see myself like you play around on one of the courses one day, you play around on the other one the next day. And beyond that, you're hanging out out there because you can, you can go early, you can go late. It's open till 11 or when they finally shut it down last tee times, I think was like nine, right? Something like that. Yeah. And, <clears throat> and it I wasn't mean, even you... a bad price. Like I think it, what, it was 30 bucks uh, for someone who's staying mm -hmm. on property. And then it was, 15% or 50% for replay rate, which is incredibly fair. Well, and for what you get, cause like I've been on some like lighted, it was, it was, it was well thought out and well-designed. Like it was just the right amount of light. Like it really was playable. You didn't feel like at any point you were just rifling things into the darkness, hoping there wasn't somebody there. You could always see the groups around you clearly, but it, it had some fun shots. I mean, yeah, I, I played the whole thing with an 11 iron with shots from, what, 50 yards all the way to 103 yards or something like that? Yeah. Do you remember one of our first experiences together? Was that a lighted par three at Omni Champions Gate in Florida? That I ripped the cup out of the ground? 
Uh, I wouldn't use the term ripped. I was like, I think molested was one term. Uh, abused, da- nah, not damaged. Because well, we it was it. it was after the 120 yard uh, 60 degree that I proved to you that I could hit. <laughs> I mean, anyone can hit that on the equator. <laughs> Surprisingly, James didn't hit the equator. Anyways, I feel like it. Uh, I don't know. It just I loved it because it was such a different take on casual golf, and and this is something that I've been more than willing to embrace uh because i think there's a time and place for every type of golf i think the the idea that this can be somewhere other than a golf course that is quite expensive to play is is a very positive thing um not to mention all the amenities that surround it have golf related to it but you sort of get to dictate what you want to do and and it just it just felt like a really vibrant property. I, I like that it was sort of you didn't have to go off and do one thing individually. You were kind of it was kind of all right there for you. You just make the decision and go. Uh, but either way, I, <clears throat> I would love to hear people's perspective on on what their take is on on social golf and what that means to them, and, and if they could have a place locally, what that would represent, whether that's you know, a lighted mini golf, par three, um, top golf style experience, outdoor bars, uh, like you mentioned, cornhole. And like, I would, I would love to hear people's perspectives on it because the more we talk about it, I think the better chance we have of seeing more of it out there, which is great for me because I'm going to take Cal, whatever they do it, as long as the price is right. I mean, yeah, it's just, and when we're seeing some of these, even some of these long-standing places have come around to it, right? Look what Pinehurst has done. I mean, the evolution of Pinehurst in the last 20 years is absolutely jaw-dropping with, with you know, all the stuff that they do out there and all the stuff that they've added, which is a lot of this. Yeah, they've got way more courses too, but I just think, I think you're seeing an evolution in the mindset of it all where you don't just want to cater to one specific tight-laced all-the-time type of person, but to a more well-rounded group because everybody benefits from that. Everybody has fun for that. It's still a very, you know, that was that was a very well-run and very tight-laced, clean, everything else taken care of, manicured facility. You can do that and you can still have the fun side. And I absolutely love that. Yeah, I want more of that. I'm, I'm so sick of hearing X- uh, you know, blah blah, whatever golf course rated top 100 just raise their price to over a thousand dollars. I am so sick of hearing that nonsense. Like, oh, you should go play this course. How much is it? You know, six, seven, eight hundred bucks. I, dude, as much as I adore golf and and I love the historical aspect of it, the idea of having to pay that kind of money out of pocket just to experience one of our you know storied golf courses is beyond irritating to me. So I'm going to continue to flock to some of these places that are awesome golf courses, but also awesome amenities and things that are fascinating and different. I, I really dig that. Um, and, and I love that it's no longer these new places, these new ideas aren't a turnoff. It's actually quite exciting to hear about them. Well, yeah, I think it could take some of these non, you know, super prestigious courses that are just good solid golf courses that have some land and have some space and it could make them it could take them to a whole new level of interest because i mean you're like i am i i i love like a spectacular golf course like there are a lot of courses on my list that i would love to go play but i will not spend the money on it because the return for the memories just aren't there for me where you could take me to some of the more middle you know, middle to upper middle level courses that don't get as many looks. And it's just a great layout and I'm going to enjoy every minute of it and get to experience more. So if they, if those kind of places can kind of get into this and and embrace this evolution of sorts, like I I think that's the win-win for, for the majority of of golfers. That's a lot of replays at the swing. (laughs) (laughs) That's the name of the par three, but uh, okay. So we've danced around it for a while dance floor whatever i didn't even mean for that to happen but uh the big reason why we're at uh omni pga frisco was to experience new ai one putters from odyssey we talked about it last week we had 
some expectation of what we get fit into. Uh, and I was wrong. And I don't, I don't mean that in a negative way. I, I mean that in a very positive way. I, and I, I don't even think I got to roll it until we went through the fitting show to my, my good friend, Michael Verska out there who I think had a lot of fun treating me like a puppet for a minute there uh, during the, <laughs> the fitting process. But so I, I landed on the six T which is a, is a different shape for me, but I actually had a putter back in the day that had that rounded shape to it. Um, and not quite face balance that that seemed to be really easy to putt with and you know exploring that walking through it and talking through part of why he felt so strongly about me going into that putter i felt confident about it did what was your experience watching me go through that well i loved it because he kept calling me over to look over his over his shoulders he was as you were lining up to putts and he was he was using his uh, his walking stick putter to to check where your alignment was, where you were yeah. aiming, and everything else. Like he was geeking out as much as anybody else. But yeah, we we are terrible guessers at what we were going to get fit into. I think all of our all of our assumptions and guesses were nowhere near the mark. Uh, but it was it was interesting because like I watched you roll all the different putters, and you know, Verska, you guys had five, I think, is what we took over there initially. Whenever the fitting started with it, six because I. Well, that's right. You he ran back. Yes, I, I I don't know if it was the sixty. I I think it was. It was. I was like I haven't tried this one yet. Why not this one? He goes, bring it. <laughs> yep, it was. It was. But to see like that process of things go through and with the sixty, like for me, and I told you that, like it was, it was like seven feet and in. Whenever you set up with it, was the difference maker for me. Hmm. Like I don't, I don't worry about you from distance. I know that's the big tech story. Uh, of it and you know i can speak to that because i'm the one that needs that but like i don't worry about you from 30 feet out like i already know how snuggled up the ball is going to get to the cup or you're just going to make some god-awful putt and make me roll my eyes into the back of my head uh (laughs) but it was it was the intermediate to short distances that it just like the alignment just kind of clicked and when you started just letting the putter work it was it it was real and it showed it on the course the next day was the best part about it like we got Mm -hmm. fit in 42 degree weather as we're freezing uh, so to take it out in the sunshine the next day and to see it on some really really cool green complexes you know we didn't leave ourselves a lot of easy putts on our team mm-hmm. uh but it, it was it was fun to see so the the funny part of it is i, I think any good fitter is not going to tell you the story not going to let you get comfortable the problem is with a putter is we all have these like unintentional modifications to the how we stroke the ball and one of the things i do is i typically aim left and putt right which is you know not the best strategy when you want to make square contact but i've done it for so long that i can make it work so it's your stroke yeah so he kept saying you know aim right at the center of the hole and most of the putters i put in play this is this is the part that i didn't really talk about that i thought was funny most of the putters i put in play i was able to do that um from a mallet perspective and then i put the one t in the in my hands and he was like aim at the middle of the hole and i aimed exactly how i would at home right at the middle of the hole from a mindset which means my face was aimed left as soon as i go to putt it i modified the stroke to hit out to the right and i made a bunch of the putts that was the funniest part about the fitting is i was making a lot of putts with the one t but it was not even close to what I was being told to what to do. So it's like it, it immediately in my head that's out because I'm 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 doing something to manipulate the head, which means I have to work way harder to make it work for my stroke. And when I put the six T in my hand, uh, and it wasn't that far off between that and the Rossi, but the six T, <laughs> I just said over and over over again, this feels so easy to put down and feel comfortable on. Um, and the biggest thing for me, especially for the putter of that size is, does it make it my life easier from inside 10 feet? And I made, uh, I, I, it looks like I staged a photo at one point. I putted in like six or seven putts from 10 feet and then just plopped the putter up against the flag and took a picture. Cause it's just like, what are we doing here? And then of course, yeah. next day on the green, uh, I made quite a few. So, so yeah, you were you surprised for me or were you 
I mean, let's see what happens. I I thought I thought if if it was going to end up mallet, I thought you would end up that way or maybe in a seven. Okay. I just had that funny feeling. I just had a funny feeling about it because I knew you wouldn't let yourself go Rossi either way. Uh, (laughs) Which is the same reason why I can't name my kid Rory. Everyone's going to be like, like, oh, you got the ROM putter. But it's like, uh, you know, it's a personal preference thing too, matters in it all. But like there there was a level of comfort with the 6T too. Like you could just kind of. You can kind of tell, even me from a distance, having played enough golf with you, like you could just kind of tell there was no sometimes for for a traditional blade guy like we are to go to a mallet. A lot of times there's some fighting involved with it. And initial and initially with some of that, like you kind of I think I made a comment to you at one point. I was like, just let the damn thing work. And and it just like you could see when that one got in your hand, like it just it was it was easier. It was comfortable. Comfortable is the word I come back to again and again. The only thing that I'm not comfortable about is the mid mallet size. It's very confusing. I, I don't have like an unlimited supply of things to mess with. I don't my my THP limited series putter Mm-mm. head cover is not gonna fit on it. Uh I guess I'll just have to be brand present for a long time. Cause that thing here here's the other part of it. I, I'm fully committed to to giving it a long run because I, I love the idea of getting better at those shorter putts. I don't like the idea of having variables there. So, you know, the, the chance of that leaving the bag anytime soon is incredibly low for me. Um, and, and I'll continue to update because I, I know people are going to talk more about AI one. I feel like the AI one tech story is pretty big and um, there's, a lot of scrutiny on oh 21%. Well, first of all, you're reading it wrong. It's not 21% yes. more putts <laughs> uh, made. It's 21% closer on putts that are outside of what 25 feet. Yeah, 30, 30, 30 plus. 30 plus. And then what like seven to eight percent or seven to ten percent with the mill seven, series? Yeah, seven to ten for the mill. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay, so before we don't need to go too deep into that because I want to talk about yours. Uh, mm-hmm. You got fit into the number seven T in a crank hosel, right? So basically a yep. plumber's neck. Yep. Um, the seven has been a shape that you've been comfortable with before. You know it quite well. Um, it didn't take long, I don't think, for anyone to recognize that that was going to be a suitable option for you. Uh, and I was busy taking photos. But what was your what was your discussion like with Michael during that time? Well, I mean, I, 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 I was coming from something very unique from my Adele, right? It's toe up, you know, there's no alignment on it. There's no offset, anything else. So, you know, and, and he did the most logical thing in going to almost face balance models for the most part for me, um, which I kind of knew was going to happen. They were, he went, he did go all, all mallets, which I didn't necessarily expect. I thought he might sneak a one T in there. Um, with my, my aim bias, which he did confirm. I do have a right aim bias, uh, but he also confirmed it's not as bad as I let on. Um, although whenever for a minute there, you were concerned that we were both going to get fit to the same putter until he proceeded to inform me that whenever he put the six T into my hand, I aimed right and then left of the hole and then right of the hole and then left of the hole. And <laughs> I was all uh, over the I place. Think, I think my specific words were, that's no fun. <laughs> um but then different yeah but then with the seven it kind of everything freed up and you know we were we were mixed and and 50 50 on whether or not uh to go with the double bend or the crank hosel and i kind of wanted to go a little different and the crank hosel was the one that i felt like was the most outside of my box because i've never been a big plumber's net guy long term because of a comfort aspect to it i guess uh, but it also opens up, admittedly, options for some some of the different putter shaft testing and stuff later on. Um, but the shape set up great. And the only thing we did that blew my mind more than anything was going two degrees upright, which is not something I've ever been fit into for a putter. Interesting. And well, I did I, I did make a fair few putts at the end of the day. Yeah, you course. don't don't bring that up because that was my <laughs> chance to say that you know it wasn't it wasn't a remarkable performance for a little bit of time. And then suddenly the, like the light bulb went off in this putter in James hand. Uh, and I think he made like, I would say conservatively 
50 feet of putts in your last three holes conservatively yeah, what birdie eagle birdie so oh, oh we don't have to we don't have to put the little <laughs> fancy names on them james all i'm hey, saying we... is you made three giant ass putts to wrap up our round you got dinevs at home doing all kinds of stuff in his head right now well hey you know, how mean, he can get fit by you or team, fit team. like you Team THP did beat one of the good, good teams. So we got that going for us. <laughs> we didn't get a whole one on our par four though. So not, not for a lack of effort, but uh, no, yeah. I mean, but the whole thing was cool. You know, of course our guy, Johnny put on a heck of a, a setup for them, but like it was, the weather sucked. Like there's no getting around it. It got so stinking cold out there. Um, and, you know, we're getting fit for putters at like 42 degrees and Verska's shivering and everybody's got, you know, beanies and cold weather gear on and, and trying to survive. Thank God I decided not to wear shorts. Right. <laughs> uh, I think to the last hour I was thinking about putting shorts on. Um, but it was, it, it was really cool. And I mean, I don't know, I'll let you steer it because you know, there's, there's a whole lot on the tech side of things that I, I am some of the feedback that started to come in out. There's a little bit interesting is all I'll put. Yeah. I don't want to dance around it too much. Um, but I do want to have a couple thoughts on the milled series i think i think personally it is one of the most exceptional presentations that odyssey is presented presented presentations has provided to golfers in quite a few years it's incredibly clean the the deep blue navy finish is spectacular on it and I think it's worth people at least taking a look at. Uh, th- there's definitely a, a subtle difference between the two lines. Um, I think it's tight enough to where you can probably use them interchangeably, but there's no reason or no no issue with having a preference. And if you lean a certain sort of way, if you're like, hey, I'm, I'm really like a white hot guy, I prefer that sound, you're probably going to lean on AI1. If you're more of a milled guy you have a certain sound you're looking for you're probably going to lean on the milled side and that's definitely not a bad thing and especially as the lineup builds up into 2024 um i think it's a good opportunity to just say hey go check them out for yourself we're seeing some really positive things i I watched personally uh, a friend make a crap ton of putts with it it's not like you know smoke and mirrors when they're 25 and 30 footers it just is what it is mm-hmm. um and and i want to hold my feedback a little bit because when i got home played 18 holes on plinko still so there wasn't like this earth shattering moment but i do want to say again the eight to ten footers feel so comfortable for me and, and that's more of a conversation about fitting if, if you don't get fit for a putter i feel like you're really doing yourself a disservice and and one of the things you can do is you can arm yourself with some of the information that really matters. Like if you go to club champion, learn about what exactly Sam putt labs providing to you. If you just go get a basic fit, ask the fitter to spend a lot of time talking about your comfortable setup and whether you're aiming correctly without trying to aim correctly. Don't, don't follow focus on the dots that are on the ground. Make sure you're putting on a clean sample or a clean slate. Those are the things that I think really matter here. How do you feel about that, James? No, I, I agree. And I think I think in the putter fitting aspect of it, what some people lose is like, well, I this is my this is my putter. I've used this forever. Take that to someplace and get fit. And maybe it's something as simple as getting the lie angle altered. You Two know? years up, like, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> like I it it's funny though, because like I've always historically, you know, I play 35 and a half. I've always played over standard. I've been fit into over standard from three different putter manufacturers. So we ran with that, but then you know, Michael's like, hey, two two degrees upright. And like, what are you talking about? But now whenever I set it down, like even at the course, I'm just like, Well, yeah. You know, and but that's something like even me having been on Sam Putt Lab. And, and things like that. But you put me in a situation like that with some of us, like you're able to, I don't want to say manipulate a stroke, but you're able to to do these things and you, you worked around them. It doesn't necessarily open up the opportunity for something that could improve you. That's why the, the whole putter fitting thing is fascinating to me. It always has been and always will be. <clears throat> it is. I'm, a big, I'm a big putter nerd anyway. And the amount of gymnastics I had to do and as soon as I put that one T in the hands. <laughs> Hey, I, I do want to say though, like you mentioned, you mentioned the look of the milled. 
like to me, you can't count Toulon. But if you if you throw Toulon out of the equation, these are the best aesthetically looking Odyssey high end slash milled putters I think they've ever done. Because it's, I can't think of an example that they, has a finish to it mm-hmm. that is of comparison. They are they are classy. They are clean. The lines on the milled line you can tell the difference. Like I'm not short selling the you know the AI ones. They're very well done. The finish Odyssey's come a long way on their finish of their their mainline putters. Like you and I, five six seven years ago, were extremely critical of them on that especially like the first run of versus the where stuff was flaking. Like that's not the case anymore. It's it, they're clean, but you move to the milled line. And I mean, you can visually see a $200 jump. There's a sense of premium that exists there for sure. And, mm-hmm. and I dig that a lot. Um, there's, there's, I have like three things I still want to talk about. Well, we pick, can go as long as you want to pick one, two or three, James, uh, three, Okay. This is another conversation that came up and I think it's an interesting one because you're really guilty about it during this summer, but someone asked and more specifically on a golf trip is 36 holes each day necessary on a golf trip. I think it depends on your group. I think it depends on where you're at. Like I, for me, I man on a, on a golf trip, it makes it hard. Cause like, Whenever I do it here all the time, it's because I want to play more golf and I want to improve and I and 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 it's everything was that. Like for me on a guy's trip, I'm usually getting to see some of you guys that I don't get to spend as much time with in person as I want to. So I know if we do 36 holes, we're we're getting to do something that we all enjoy together. Yes, we could go back and sit in a room at a restaurant or whatever else and still have time together. Um, but I think I think a good group. To me, if you've got a couple dudes that don't want to play that extra 18, but they'll want to ride around or whatever, like you don't have to. But if, if, man, I don't know, that's an interesting question. I've never really thought about it. Isn't that a tough one? Because I feel like the easy answer is 18 a day uh, with the potential for more. But then you, you definitely, especially depending on time of year, you have to be careful about when your first tea time is to, per, to give enough time for the second thing. But the other side of it is, I feel like when you play that 36, like I, I would prefer to play okay golf courses 36 a day. And I, and I only say that because I feel like it gives you less time to really enjoy the experience and, and take in parts of what make things unique um, or somewhere you played before. I just, it just seems like a lot to me, especially when you spread it out through three, four days or whatever the, the length of time is that you're on your trip. It just seems like a lot. Well, it almost, you know, it makes me think of, you know, a JV thing then like, why not play 27? Why do we, why do we force ourselves? Because I'm guilty of it too. Why do we force ourselves to play two complete rounds? Why not, why not play your 18 and see the course and everything else out and then have another nine holes. You just get to go cut up. It's something I've never thought about. Like this is making me question myself. (laughs) <laughs> well, it, it's a combination of price and replay rates and things like that. Um, the other part of it is that I, and this is one thing I actually just thought about on the spot here. One of my biggest irritations of playing a brand new course is if I don't know something somewhere and I play that hole and find out the hard way, all I want to do is go and play it again, right? Like it's just one of my little pet peeves is getting beat by a hole that I don't know the like the crux of the hole so totally shocked no you're not scumbag (laughs) so so when i think about that i'm like if you give me a chance same day to go out or i I guess it'd be different if it was same course but if Mm -hmm. if you're playing a different course each day i feel like there are plenty of situations where i get done with a round at a place i've never experienced before and my first comment is i can't wait to play that again and if I'm going to a city or a place I'm not likely to return to, the chance to do that I think is actually surprisingly appealing for me. No, I agree. I mean that makes that makes complete sense too. That's a that's a way more nuanced question than I expected it to be whenever you first <laughs> said it, though. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the it's the trick of having these discussions about how many guys or or girls, whatever your your group is, 
how many days, how much golf. Well, and and to go all the way back to the beginning of our conversation, what else is there? Yeah. Like what wherever you're playing or what city you're in or anything else, what else what else is there? Because like, yeah, if we if, if I'm in like San Diego playing somewhere or whatever else, then yes, we know we can go to the brewery district in the evening or where for an example. Right. Or if you're at Frisco, you've got all this other stuff. Then, yeah, I would be less inclined to want to play 36 in a place like that. Although it would only take one of you going, hey, let's go play again. And guess who's the first one lined up? It's me. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'm thinking of the cities where. The most thing you can do in the nightlife is go hang out at El Rancho Grande and see how many of those big margaritas you can drink. <laughs> Seven. <laughs> <laughs> so Billy Madison quote just waiting to happen, but I won't do it in, in case uh, Adam's watching and wants to get some money from me. Anyways, uh, yeah, I think that's an interesting conversation. The, the discussion's happening on THP right now. We can certainly bring it into this thread as well because we always bring up a thread on uh, Friday. But you know, to wrap up, I think technically two weeks of interesting discussion. AI one is a certainly an interesting conversation. Uh, putter fitting is certainly an interesting conversation. I think Odyssey has a winner here. Uh, I look forward to one of the things I love about this is their numbers are based on statistics, not based on ideas. So you have an opportunity to go and decide whether that's the same for you or not. Uh, and if it's not, hey, maybe you have a really great fitting putter. If it if it's not, hey, maybe you got a really bad fitting. Uh, <laughs> but if it is, I'm really interested to hear about it because this is technology I would love to see more companies come out with. How can we improve the putters, which is one of the most common clubs used in the bag and the easiest to take strokes off your game. Um, so all-encompassing. I thought it was a really cool trip. James, do you have any thoughts, final thoughts on it? Not that we have enough time for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, seriously. Uh, you want to go jump on the dance floor and, and do some putting games? I would love to. <laughs> it's, I, I only kind of still medium regret not forcing you onto that putting green. Anyways, uh, <laughs> go check it out. It, it's super cool. I mean, just a totally different experience. And if you're not into that thing and the kids like the pool, there's cabanas to rent on the other side. I'm not getting into it. It's ridiculous. Shout out Mark cabana guy. Anyways, James, I love having you on buddy. It's always fun. Well, thank you once again, man. Anytime. Yeah, for sure. Hey, if you're playing golf this week, have a great time. Compliment someone on a part of their game. They kind of suck at if they do something good because it feels good to hear it. I heard a very nice compliment about my driver game the other day. I didn't see it coming and I almost but walked into a tree. But, you know, sometimes it's, it's the difference. It makes a difference in a, a very okay golf weekend and a great one. So have fun. Make it count. Uh, I hope you are able to play, and I hope those greens are healing up like mine are. Either way, we will see you guys next week. THP Radio on the Hackers Paradise Podcast Network, your number one source for all things golf. Subscribe on iTunes to never miss an episode.